And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to Thanksgiving week. That's right, Thanksgiving right around the corner, of course. Uh, it's going to be a very light trading week this week as, uh, well, most professional traders are going to be going on vacation out to the Hamptons, of course, to uh, spend their weekend with lovey. <laughs> you know, you got to be old enough to, to remember Gilligan's Island. <laughs> but anyway, I, I was actually looking at a, a very interesting graphic this morning. I put it out on Twitter. And it was, a, it was a graphic of history's largest grossing horror films. Okay, so these are, these are the movies that were made that you know, have gone to theaters, largest grossing. So, you know, movies like It, by the way, not nearly as, as big of a grosser as you would think it was. Top grossing films of all time. What do you think? Take a guess. No, it's in there, but top grossing horror films, Jaws. 1975, yeah. The Exorcist, 1973, and Jaws 2, 1978. Those were the highest. And I'll tell you, because back then they scared the crap out of you. I saw. I was 10 years old when I saw Jaws with my dad. Wouldn't take a bath for a week. I was convinced. <laughs> so, but that's back when. And, and now you look at them today. You're like, man, that's so cheesy. But. Those were those were good horror films back I don't know, then. That, that the, first bite yes. when the girl gets dragged underwater. Exactly. I still get goosebumps on that. Exactly. And it's interesting if you actually go to Universal Studios, they yeah. still have the uh, lake set at Universal Studios. My wife and I took our kids a few years back, and they have a backstage tour at Universal Studios, and they actually have the the uh, the lakes. The lake is still there with the fake with the jaws in it. The animatronic it, jaws. The animatronic jaws. <laughs> so, but yeah. So, but that was I, I was surprised. But that was back when they made good horror films. You know, the yeah. horror films today, they just you know. Friday the Thirteenth series. Yeah, I don't think it's. In, I don't think that was in there. I have to go back and look. So. I I saw that when I was single. Yeah. Driving a pickup truck. And when I came out of the movie theater, I looked behind the seat in the truck, single yeah, cab truck. Of course. Because I was so wigged out about it. Exactly. Well, and, and look, and when Friday the 13th originally came out, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. The original. Yes. Yeah, those, those were good. Then they just went too far. You know, <laughs> there, there was a, when you got to Friday the 13th part 68, that was, that was kind of enough. Chainsaw so. Massacre. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I don't know how I got off on that. But anyway. <laughs> Is there something week. bloody in the market? I, I guess no blood in the market yet. Um, but anyway, this is Thanksgiving week, so all the, all the traders will be out. Inmates running the asylum this week, and of course, uh, that is going to uh, provide a lot of potential volatility uh, to markets this week. So just uh, you know, kind of buckle up, you know, for this week. Now, once we get through this week, we're going to get into kind of that December run and, and things tend to smooth out just a bit. But again, so this week, don't really, don't make any big trading decisions based on the action this week because, again, there's just not a lot of support for the market. So if you get a, a, a correction, don't, don't freak out about it. We're very overbought. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, or if the market rallies a bit this week, don't just don't assume that, oh, we're not going to get a correction. We're going to get a correction. Um, just a question of when, 
But again, don't put a lot, don't make any big investment decisions this week because again, you're gonna have higher volatility, uh, kind of inmates, like I said, inmates kind of running the asylum here. So don't make any decisions based on action this week. Markets are closed on Thursday for Thanksgiving Day. We'll be open half a day on Friday. So again, this is why you're gonna have a, a, a very volatile week. Um, outside of that though, uh, kind of looking at the rest of this week, big, big earnings announcement this week will come from NVIDIA. Uh, that's going to be all eyes on NVIDIA, of course, for, you know, what's happening with the AI space. And that's going to be the, that's the big earnings report that's coming out this week. Not a lot on the economic data front. We've gotten through the big reports. Next big reports are going to be employment coming out in the first week of December. So again, we'll get through the Thanksgiving holidays, then we'll get the, the next big employment report, and then CPI in December, then the FOMC meeting. So Again, we do have some big reports coming out and, and big action in early December. And the big question about whether or not we're done hiking rates um, or not uh, will be answered most likely at this next meeting around the middle of December with the Federal Reserve. Okay, with that said, here's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Um, markets uh, had, you know, have had this really fantastic rally. Now, on July the 1st of this year, we wrote an article talking about too much complacency in the market. We said, hey, markets have had this really terrific run up here into July, and we're due for a 5 to 10% correction. A 10% correction would be absolutely normal in any given year. We then peaked the market, and we had this, this decline that ended October 31st. That was a 10.3% correction, so almost right on the screws of a 10% correction, again, completely normal with any given year. We've now since then had this very strong rally that we wrote about on November the 1st saying, hey, you know, we're, we're extremely oversold here. We've got a lot of seasonal tendencies behind us. This is why we're gonna get a rally. We've had that rally cleared, all these moving averages, lots of resistance we broke through. Markets now kind of starting to struggle here with these September highs. Um, and again, just kind of been stalling out here over the last couple of days. It's been kind of grinding its way higher, but again, not making a big advance uh, to any great degree, really kind of holding out here at 4,500. That's, that's a pretty good level of resistance for the markets here short term. Markets are extremely overbought uh, on all fronts. And, and so this has been a pretty broad rally. The number of stocks above the 50-day moving average have increased. The number of stocks on bullish buy signals have increased markedly. Sentiment has gotten very stretched. Technical indicators, as we talked about in this weekend's newsletter on the website at realinvestmentadvice.com, uh, show all of our technical indicators extremely overbought here. So that all suggests that probably somewhere between this week and next week, you're going to get some type of, of pullback. I would suggest somewhere around 4,400-ish. On the S&P 500 would be a good kind of level of support. That's about where the 100-day moving average is right now. So again, a bit of a pullback here would not be surprising. I'll give you a better entry point if we can work off some of this overbought condition heading into any year end. So you got to get this pullback, lets the markets kind of reset a bit. You know, think about stretching a rubber band. Uh, we've talked about this before. Markets have kind of stretched that rubber band as much as it can here over the last couple of weeks. It's been a very aggressive run. Got to relax the rubber band a bit before we can stretch it again. So again, that's just kind of how the markets work over time. But I do want to focus your attention on a little bit longer term graph here because there is kind of an interesting uh, setup that's occurring in the markets. If we go back and look at the market from the March 2020 lows, there's a very distinct rising trend line. Now, 
among all these bottoms that we put in. We put in this bottom in March 2020, the, the bottom in October of 2022, the most recent bottom, has run right along this kind of rising trend line from that 2020 uh, bottom in the markets. At the same time, we've also got a descending set of tops uh, where the markets are running into right now. And again, this, this kind of defining wedge that we're getting is gonna be very important because as we start to look at this wedge, that this market is building, if the markets can break out of that wedge to the upside, that's gonna give the markets a pretty substantial move higher. If it breaks down, uh, that's gonna be a, a pretty substantial move lower. And that's the, the point about these kind of compressive, um, uh, these compressive channels that we get. Markets are moving into a tighter and tighter trading range. So once they break out of that in one direction or the other, you tend to get a much bigger move in the markets over a period of time. So. Uh, again, what happens next over the course of the next month or so is actually going to be much more important from a longer-term perspective. This market can rally um, and out of that trend channel to the upside by the end of this year. That's going to be an important move, talking about moving into next year uh, in particular as we start to look at you know, how this market's going to act or behave. Uh, is it going to be bullish or more bearish? This kind of technical pattern is going to tell us a lot about that. So we're going to keep watching it for you, but we're reporting it in the newsletter as well. Um, that's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Uh, come back from the break. Lots of stuff to get into as we get into the quote-unquote the silly season for the market. So don't go away. More coming up here on The Real Investment Show. Be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the Internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So, um, as I noted, we're now entering the silly season, which is these very kind of holiday lightened trading days that we're going to have through the end of the year. Of course, you know, you've got Thanksgiving, and then right after that, we're going to run into Christmas, then New Year's. And so there's just a, a lot of holiday breaks that are coming up, and that contributes to lighter volume in the markets. And this is why, you know, it's often that you'll see kind of markets do – things that you, you wouldn't really expect them to do. You get higher rates of volatility, um, market sell-offs become a bit more dramatic than probably they should be. And it's just simply because there's not a lot of trading going on. There's not a lot of volume uh, to support markets. And, and again, it's, it's, you know, price is always a function of supply and demand. So if you have a period where you don't have a lot of buyers, but you have sellers that are there, you're going to get bigger moves to the downside than you probably would and, and vice versa. So Again, you know, the important thing here over the course of the next month and a half, um, as we you know, finish up November, go through December, and then really the first 10 days of, of January, um, you're going to get uh, a pickup in volatility. And this is also why you there's, there's a lot of seasonal tendencies that occur this time of year. Um, and there's explanations for why this stuff occurs. But uh, again, you know, most people don't know these. Like, for instance, in the first couple of weeks of December, you're generally going to get a sell-off. We talked about this on the show. Why? Because, A, first of all, you have lighter volume because a lot of people are out uh, for the holidays. But secondly, uh, mutual funds have to distribute their annual gains, um, interest, and dividends for the year in their mutual funds. So they have to distribute those 
to their holders. So in, in order to liquidate, in order to provide those distributions, a lot of cases they have to liquidate positions to raise the capital to make those distributions. Um, some years it's more, some years it's less, depending on what's been happening. But again, that's that's got to be done. So generally you get a little bit of selling pressure somewhere in the first couple of weeks of December as those distributions go on. About 20 to 25% of mutual funds have their fiscal year end um, this in December. So um, that's when you get a little bit more pressure. Then, of course, um, after making those distributions, you typically get a rally from the day after Christmas into year end because all those mutual funds that just distributed stuff have 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 to get their portfolios back into balance. And of course, a lot of hedge funds and mutual funds and professional managers, et cetera, that do year-end reporting have to make sure that they have all the right positions on their books for when they send out their annual reports. So you generally have a lot of what they call window dressing or portfolio dressing in that last week of the year. That's just them going in and buying all the right stocks. So, you know, it's NVIDIA or Walmart or whatever it is. They want to make sure that have that on their books. Those get bought right into year end so that there's this additional buying pressure. Then the first five days of January is positioning for the year. And so you typically get a rally uh, in the first five days of January. Again, these are seasonal tendencies. This does, doesn't mean that always occurs. There's years this didn't happen. But most of the time, a majority of the time, you'll get these type of actions. Again, it's, it's a function of both positioning by professional managers for either the year end or the beginning of the year. Um, and it's also a function that there's very light volume. And again, on the first five, five days of January, uh, really five, kind of first five, first 10, is everybody coming back to work for the year, right? So they've already been off for the Christmas break through New Year's. They're coming back to work and like, okay, I, get my, you know, I, I raised some cash and I was kind of sitting defensive over the holidays while I was out just in case something went haywire. Now I got to put all the money back on the books. And so that's why you typically get you know, these type of pushes um, as we go. Now, once you get past the first five days of January, who knows? Right. It's going to be, um, you know, a much different environment. And in the end, no one knows. Uh, it's interesting you know, that, you know, I've had tons of conversations with people lately and, um, you know, everybody's convinced that next year is going to be a, a boomer bull year. And that, that very well may be. I've also talked to numerous people who are convinced next year is going to be a terrible year. It could be right. Rate hikes and, and tighter monetary policy, all these type of things. Nobody knows how this is going to work out, right? There's a lot of people that, that seem to be very convinced that, well, we've had this big surge in interest rates, you've got this lag effect, and I'm not arguing with that at all. That's certainly a real, real risk to markets next year. And that's going to lead to slower economic growth, potential recession, and a downturn of the markets. Very logical. Very logical. Same time, though, there's evidence that Markets are doing okay. Economy's doing okay. So we may not have this big downturn. Maybe, you know, it's possible that somehow the Fed engineers kind of this soft landing scenario. Uh, not that they actually engineered anything. It's more a function of luck than anything else. But you've had this tremendous surge of liquidity in the markets uh, and the economy from a variety of bailouts, et cetera, that that python, that pig, is still working its way through the python, providing support that may allow kind of that 
you know, lift below the airplane. You know, the, so the engines got out on the airplane. You're kind of gliding towards, you know, a landing strip somewhere, hoping you're going to make it. And there's this gust, there's this updraft of wind giving the plane just enough lift to get to the landing strip safely. Maybe. Right. Nobody knows. Nobody knows for sure. My friend David Rosenberg recently did uh, an interview with Adam Taggart and, uh, you know, on his new his new channel, Thoughtful Money. And, you know, talking about inflation will be one percent next year, we'll be in a recession. And that's a very logical analysis. Right. He's a very smart guy when I don't don't discount him at all. But he doesn't know for sure. Neither do I, neither does anybody else. A lot of things can change as we go into next year. Consumer spending is going to be the driver. That's that's 70% of GDP, right, PCE. Let me give you a good example. Airfare is 9% cheaper this year than it was year, not last year, this time last year, to travel for Thanksgiving. 9% cheaper. Will more people travel because it's cheaper? Mortgages are now cheaper than they were just a couple of months ago. Will we see an act, uh, a pickup in activity of people getting mortgages to go buy homes? Maybe. We'll see, right? I mean, this is all early data. We don't know yet how this is going to work out. But, you know, if interest rates, would, if interest rates dropped to, say, sub-4% of the 10-year Treasury, you could get a fairly big boom of people going out to buy houses, because they got cheaper mortgages. You know, mortgage rates get back around to, you know, four and a half, five percent ish. People are going out to buy mortgages, buy houses. Creates a creates an uptick in the housing market. The housing market contributes to GDP in a variety of manners. Those those type of things, right, could contribute to enough updraft to get the airplane to the landing zone. Again, nobody knows. But these are the things that we have to watch out for. See, these this is why it's always very important as we talk about narrative. Look, we've spent an inordinate amount of time over the last month or so talking about narratives. There was all these narratives back in September and October about you know why this market was only going to go down. You know, it's interesting. I, I was you know last month, you know, I was talking about hey, we're going to get a rally. Just be patient here. You know, don't don't you know, don't give in to the fear and greed, you know, look for a rally here to sell into, et cetera. And I was like, oh, this market is just, you're wrong. Market's just going to go down and we're not going to get a rally, et cetera. Well, so now we've had this very outland, you know, kind of outlandish rally over the last, you know, two, two weeks of November. And I put out a tweet um, on Thursday, Friday last week saying, hey, markets are getting pretty overbought here. This is a great time. We talked about if in October, you know, if you're under a lot of pressure with your portfolio, use the rally to reduce risk and rebalance your portfolio as needed. We were buying positions in October for this rally. And so I made this comment that, you know, hey, this is we've now had this rally. We're probably going to get a bit of a correction here. And unsurprisingly, the people on Twitter X he needs to change it back to Twitter. Nobody's going to ever call it X. Um, but, you know, now I'm getting the comments like, you don't know what you're talking about. This market is, this market is on fire. It's just going to go up from here. And, and this is how fast sentiment changes within markets. And sentiment drives markets. Remember, it's always about buyers and sellers. Um, and, you know, we've talked about before is that 
you know, if there's always a buyer for a seller at any price, the market would never move in price, right? So the reason markets go up and down is changes in sentiment. Now that sentiment is you're crazy. This market's only going higher from here. It could be, maybe. But I will tell you the technicals on a variety of fronts, as we talked about in this weekend's newsletter and as we as we showed in a variety of graphs and statistics in the newsletter this weekend, this market is as overbought as it's ever been on many fronts. Time to take some profits, right? Just rebalance risk, you know, as you need. If you like again, if in October you're about to pull your hair out because the market seemed like it just wouldn't go up, well, it's gone up now. So this is the time, right? This is where you step in and, you know, rebalance that risk in your portfolio to where it's more tolerable. And the reason we don't is because we, like everybody else on Twitter, is like, well, this market is only going to go up from here. It's not. We're going to get a correction. When we'll get a correction, I don't know. Will it be this week? Will it be next week? Two weeks from now? Don't know. Market could go higher from here before we get a correction, right? But you're going to get a correction at some point. And those corrections always tend to be a bit bigger than you think they're going to be. So just keep that in mind. Okay, quick break. We'll come back. Lots of stuff to get into this morning. Don't go away. Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. And welcome back to the show this morning. So, as we um Get ready to head in the holiday season. Of course, I'm sure everybody has plans. Travel is about to go off the hook. This is the some of the biggest travel days of the year. So I I caution you, <laughs> if you're gonna go fly somewhere, it's gonna be packed. And so give yourself plenty of time. Show up early. Be patient. Take a Xanax. Whatever it is. You're traveling with children, like I used to, hauling around four young kids. Two Xanaxes, yes. <laughs> and a shot of tequila, even though it says not to mix the two. Mix the two. I'm joking. I'm not giving you any, any advice. Um, but no, just we're about to have very big travel days coming up. It's going to be very busy. And it's interesting, you know, because we talk about inflation, Right. Oh, it's just, this inflation's killing everybody. And it's and, and what's a, what's interesting to me, and we've talked about this before on the show, is you know, how people make ends meet. Right. It seems like this inflation is terrible and you know, it's really weighing on the average consumer and the average family, and they're, you know, having trouble buying all the groceries they need to buy because 
you know, the cost of eggs and milk and everything has gone up. But yet, you know, take a look at people traveling and, and you know, going places and doing things. And, you know, traffic, you know, traffic reports are, are well, right? They're, they're not, you know, you know, these issues of, yeah, travel's way down this year and, and, you know, we're not seeing a lot of activity. That's what you'd expect to see heading into a recession is a slowdown of this activity. And we're not seeing that yet. Now, now mind you, it's, it's a yet statement. We're not seeing it yet. Doesn't mean it's not going to show up. But you would have thought by now, after you've had inflation as high as 9% last year, it's been coming down since, um, that you know you would have gotten to the point that the yet would have caught up. But it hasn't, seemingly. It hasn't. We have seen you know some impact on used cars, as an example. We've seen sales of used cars slow down. But again, everybody kind of ran out and bought cars when they got checks from households. You know, when we sent checks to households, everybody bought it, went out and bought vehicles and used cars, and there was a shortage of used cars at the time. So we were buying new cars. And again, if I just if I bought a car a couple of years ago, I don't need to go buy a new car. So it's not entirely illogical that the car sales would slow down after you created this artificial surge of demand. So if you step outside of the more kind of long-lasting durables, those type of things, and look at things that are very short-term in nature, travel, eating out, those type of things, you know, still seeing a lot of activity. And, you know, again, this is the one thing that we have to, to, to think about, especially if you're in the, we're definitely going to have a recession type analysis or you're in that camp that oh recession's coming and and you know i don't want to be invested in the markets etc because we're definitely going to have this recession be careful with the definitely part because we're just not seeing that data on the front yet that suggests that the that consumers are done they're still tapping credit cards. They're still getting access to credit, even though the cost of credit is rising, right? And they're paying more for that credit. They're still tapping credit. We've seen credit standards tighten, but yet there doesn't seem to be a real slowdown in activity. Now, we're about to get so Now, the reason I bring all this up is this is all anecdotal. This is just what we've seen up to this point, right? But we're about to get some real factual data coming out very soon because we're about to hit holiday shopping. This is the time of the year. The, the reason that it's called Black Friday is because this is the time of the year that retailers make it into the black for the year. For a lot of retailers, from October 31st through the end of the year is where all their profits come in. So we're about to start getting some reports here over the course of the next two months. December, we'll get a, a retail sales report for November. So we'll get a, kind of get a glimpse at um, the Thanksgiving sales. January, we'll get the December report, which give us the, the, the Christmas sales. So we're going to get a lot of data here about just how resilient 
the retail shopper has been. And, and look, the, you cannot dismiss the retail shopper. Yeah, there's a lot of data out there that suggests a recession is coming. Inverted yield curves and leading economic indicators are negative. But you can't dismiss the retail shopper. They're for, you know, of the, so when you break down GDP, right, the economic growth, it is roughly about 70% personal consumption expenditures. The rest of the, the other 30% is government spending, which we've been doing a hell of a lot of that. <laughs> so, um, it's also business investment, and it's, uh, of course, net imports or net exports, right? So it's imports minus exports. Um, that's, what, that's what makes up GDP. Of that roughly 70%, it's like 68%, but of the roughly 70% that is, that is retail spending driven, right, the personal consumption expenditures, 40% of that 70 is retail sales. That's the stuff that you're, you're buying every day. Food, gas, clothes, all that. So that's why these, these retail sales reports are going to be so important here over the next couple of months because that's going to tell us a lot about just how strong the economy actually is. Now, look, we're going to get revisions to that data. This, this is early data coming in. It's going to be initial estimates on a lot of fronts, and we'll come back and revise this data you know, as we get in further into next year. But if we get some fairly, you know, fairly weak retail sales reports, that's going to tell us a lot about where we are in the cycle. If they're really strong, don't dismiss that. And again, I, you know, when I, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and you know, I, I, you know, I, I see what it costs to eat out, and I, I see what it costs to fill up your tank. I, I get it, right? And so you start thinking about the average American family that's making, you know, sixty-five, seventy-five thousand dollars a year, even if you're making a hundred thousand a year. It's tough to make those ends meet right now. By the time you have your rent or your mortgage payments, your health care costs, you know, paying for, you know, prices of food and clothes and transportation and school, whatever else you got going on, right? It's just tough to make those ends meet. But we'll see. We're going to see just how deep people dig into their wallets for the Christmas shopping season. <laughs> you know, my kids are the age now where they still send Christmas lists, and my wife and I just laugh. <laughs> so, actually, my, my wife is trying to buy. The, so, all my kids, she included. So, it's, it's, a, it's a she and my two daughters. Right. They want this pair of Uggs. And I don't know. I don't know anything about Uggs. Right. But apparently it's, it's a pair of Ugg slippers. And you can't you can't get them. I remember this growing up. You remember the remember when you were growing up, you know, you or and, and you'll remember Brent when Adam was growing up that he would want some toy that was the hot toy and you couldn't get it. Oh, yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. And that's these Uggs. You cannot get them anywhere. So it's it's a it's it's like well you're gonna get the knockoff brand <laughs> instead of Uggs you get oops you get oops <laughs> exactly you get what they're actually called uglies uh, yeah. uh, they named them appropriately it's like you look at them you go oh why would you wear those hey, but, man. Yeah. 
but people do. <laughs> fashion. No accounting for fashion. But anyway, that's it's going to be interesting to see. So so we'll see as we get into uh, to, to the next few days. But this will tell us a lot. And again, this is going to, you know, we have already heard from Walmart and Target talking about slower traffic. Um, in the recent Walmart report, they talked about slower um, store traffic. Target sales were down year over year. So we are seeing it already. Now, the question will be whether or not we see it even deteriorate further as we get into the rest of this holiday shopping season. So again, coming out of Thanksgiving, once we get into the first week or so of December, we're going to start getting uh, the Black Friday sales reports. Now, remember, Black Friday used just to be Friday, right? Stores would open at 9, they would close at 5. This was back in the day when I was growing up, and that was Black Friday, and they had sales on that day. Then, of course, over the last you know couple of decades, it got... Opening it, opening at midnight and going to midnight, you know, starting midnight Thursday to midnight Friday. That was Black Friday. Then it started on Thursday. Now it starts on Monday. In fact, I think this year it started in September. Uh, so, but we all count that as Black Friday now. Black Friday sales are on. Um, so make sure you're taking advantage of them, right? If you are doing some Christmas shopping, don't forget. Lots of sales going on right now. Good stuff cheap. Or it gets cheap stuff expensive. I don't know what, what, what you want to call it. But anyway, we'll be right back after the break. Wrap up the show. Don't go away. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. All right, this uh, right now, Dow futures are down just a smidge this morning. Markets look open a little bit on the flat side. Again, kind of not surprising. We have actually seen this, uh, you know, last week as well. Uh, markets would be kind of flattish in the open and then kind of rally into the day. But, you know, over the last few days, um, been a bit more of a struggle for markets to go higher. After that big surge that we had initially, uh, markets have over the last few days have kind of traded back and forth. You know, gradually ended a little bit higher. We've kind of been just kind of, clawing up you know the price racket on on the S&P but you know it's it's just been kind of a struggle to do that and that's because the markets are getting you know as I said earlier markets are getting a little bit overbought here so again this market looks to open a little bit weak this morning and you know we'll see how this plays out gold's down a bit this morning trading around 1973 you know gold hasn't done a lot this year it's pretty much traded sideways most of the year um but you know and and you know oil prices look to uh you know, gold, sorry, I'll spit that out. Oil prices have been sold off a lot here recently. They're decently oversold now into negative territory. So I'd kind of be looking for oil prices to maybe rebound. Um, uh, late last week, we added to some of our energy positions. 
um, on this kind of expectation that you're going to get kind of this reversal rally in, in energy prices over the next month or so. Again, not talking about oil prices going to 150, but again, they're just so oversold. You know, you're probably going to get a bounce. So you kind of get a rotation maybe between, you know, some selling in the S&P, maybe get a little bit of a rally in energy uh, prices here short term as we move into the year, particularly if we happen to get some cold weather. Uh, that would help support that as well. But if we get good traffic reports also um, about travel, that should provide a bit of a lift um, to energy prices as well, just supply and demand uh, issues alone. As I said earlier, uh, you do have NVIDIA out uh, tomorrow. NVIDIA will announce earnings tomorrow. Everybody's expecting a good report from that. That's the risk, though. Everybody's expecting a really, really good report from NVIDIA, so that bar is pretty high. Um, so a miss could be pretty brutal for, for NVIDIA if they happen to miss. We'll, uh, we've, we're, we're long NVIDIA shares right now, so we'll see you know, kind of what happens. It's, a, it's definitely a risk heading into, into tomorrow. But um, also we've got a lot of retail earnings out tomorrow as well. Abercrombie & Fitch, uh, American Eagle, Best Buy reports tomorrow, Burlington, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, Guess. Um, who else? Uh, Lowe's, Kohl's. Urban Outfitters all report tomorrow. So, again, lots of retailers are going to report tomorrow. Now, again, this is for October data, right? We haven't seen the, the December, the, the November data yet. But, again, what you want to kind of look for in these retailers, as we were talking about last segment, is look for commentary about foot traffic and consumption and, you know, how the retailers are shopping are, yeah, you know, they may have lots of, of sales coming in. That may be one thing, right? Our sales were, you know, a billion. But of that billion, how much of it was lower tiered products? In other words, customers are stepping down in products, right? They're not buying the expensive items or buying the less expensive items. See, those are the things you, that they're going to kind of give you some hint at just how strong or stable um, consumers are right now. And again, I think that's, and, and that's the big driver, right? The, so if you're in the recession camp going into next year, pay attention to the consumer, right? It's, it's been about excess savings. It's been about access to credit. It's been about these uh, additional stimulus payments that were coming in where, uh, you know, a lot of Americans paid off credit, credit card debt in, in 2020. They got these check free checks from the government, like, hey, I'm going to pay that off on my credit card debt. And then they ran that credit card debt back up. But that gave them buying power, right? They've been using that buying power. We, you know, it's, it's interesting. You go to a grocery store and you see people paying for, you know, you know uh, using credit card to buy groceries. And, you know, that's not a function of, of if they want to. It's they have to, right? That's just the only way they're going to buy groceries. But there, there was that ability to ramp up additional credit. So again, you know, these are the things to kind of pay attention to in that report. And again, we're also pay attention to credit card spending, you know, how much is being put on credit cards, is that slowing down? Uh, the increase or decrease in consumer credit, that's a good leading indicator about what's happening with, with retail consumers. Because at the end of the day, uh, again, it's a big chunk of economic activity is going to be driven to that, and and the reason I, I'm the reason I'm I'm discussing this is because right now the expectations are next year that the economy is going to be just fine. Morgan Stanley, Goldman Goldman Sachs as a a good example right now. Goldman Sachs has a very low probability of a recession next year. In fact, they're expecting fairly robust economic growth, and they're expecting which will translate into a very robust 
2024 increase in earnings estimates for these companies. So in other words, the worst is now behind us, and it's a new bull market, essentially, um, in both earnings as well as, as prices. They've got a, a fairly decent price target set for next year. Um, that's their view going forward. So again, if you're going to have stronger earnings for companies, you've got to have a stronger economic environment. You can't have a recession and stronger earnings. Those don't go together because earnings come from economic growth, right? It's, it's the activity that we do. It's what we're doing or buying or selling. So if you really want to try to figure out what's going to happen next year, pay attention to the consumer because that's what drives it. And again, if we have, you know, slower economic growth, you're going to have less inflation. If you have less inflation, bond rates are going to come down because those are all correlated together as well. If yields fall, that's going to, if yields are falling and inflation is falling, that's going to be potentially, and that, that's going to be a function of weaker economic growth, which is going to be an impairment for stocks because stocks are based on valued against earnings growth. And, and the one reason that stocks are rallying short term right now is on the expectation that next year is going to be very good so we can support these higher valuations because earnings are going to catch up with price. So I can have a high valuation. That's completely okay as long as the earnings catch up. But if we don't have that stronger earnings environment next year because we have weaker economic growth, that's going to be a challenge for valuations. Historically, when yields are falling, so are valuations. Just something to think about. So, but, but again, there's, 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 and this kind of all goes back to this, you know, common theme we've had now over the last couple of weeks talking about narratives in general. Be careful with these narratives. I'm seeing just a ton of stuff still, um, really, really bearish narratives for next year. I'm not saying that that can't happen, but as you've seen here over the last couple of weeks, narratives can reverse very quickly. You know, everybody who was super bearish in October, now they're super bullish. In two weeks, the world didn't change in two weeks. We didn't have a shift in economic resilience in two weeks. What we had was a change in narratives. Oh, the Fed's done hiking rates. That means that they're going to start cutting rates next. Be careful with that, right? This expectation that the Fed's going to cut rates in March is probably misplaced because, again, if you have rallying stocks and higher bond prices, lower yields, those ease monetary restrictions on the, on the economy, which is why the Fed was hiking rates, was to restrict activity. The Fed wants a very slow economic environment for a period of time. They want higher unemployment. They want unemployment above 4%. They want slower activity in the economy because that's what brings down inflation. But as we've already seen, just a small uptick in, in stock prices and a drop in bond yields and people sentiment is rising fairly dramatically. Like, whew, man, made it. We're good. Let's go spend some money. Easing financial conditions is going to be a problem for the Fed which is why at this uh, upcoming Fed meeting in December, pay very close attention. They're going to try to rework this statement probably, this is the, the thought, to reworking this statement to imply that they're now done hiking rates. But if the market keeps rallying and stock and bonds keep rallying and yields keep falling, 
we could see the Fed just say, hey, you know, we're focused on inflation. We're not at our target yet. We've still got one rate hike, you know, on, you know, kind of in the chamber, ready to go if we need it. Because again, looser financial conditions are going to keep inflation elevated. Because why? Because consumers, if they feel better about themselves, they're going to go spend money. If they spend money, that's demand. That keeps prices elevated. What brings down inflation is when the demand slows and corporations go, man, I got all this inventory I got to sell. I got to have to put stuff on sell. I got to reduce the price. That's what brings down inflation. If the demand is there, then companies go, why cut the price? I've, you know, I can still sell it for whatever it's selling for. Or guess what? I've got so much demand for these Uggs that I'm going to raise the price on them. I mean, a pair of slippers that costs 120 bucks. I mean, think about it. They've been out of stock for a year, right? Plenty of demand for these things. I don't have to cut my price. I can raise my prices. That's capitalism. That's how it works. That's how the economy functions. But again, what the Fed wants is they want slower demand. And it's interesting because the stock market kind of screws themselves in a way because they go, oh, the Fed's going to cut rates. Let's run up stock prices, which increases demand, which keeps the Fed on edge. Market just needs to shut up. All right. Wraps up the show for today. Be back tomorrow. Um, we will be off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the holidays, uh, but we will have a live show tomorrow for you, but we'll have some best ofs for you to fill out your holiday uh, week. So we'll keep you up to date, of course, on stuff. Um, our newsletter will be out on Saturday, as always. I'll still be writing that. And, of course, we'll have a blog post out for you tomorrow as well uh, on the market. So all of that right there at realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of The Real Investment Show.